You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. During the Christmas season, the last couple of years, I've noticed a lot of commercials for those discover your DNA heritage type kits. Genealogy is no small gift. Up until just a few years ago, the medical history I could give my doctor wouldn't extend further than my dad on his side of the family tree. He had been adopted as a child, and he had no opportunity to access his records because they were sealed. So we had no idea what his biological family tree looked like. That is, until we were able to connect through one of those DNA testing sites. I never dreamed that we'd find my dad's biological family through DNA matching. After a few months of reaching out and putting some puzzle pieces together, we were finally able to connect with his biological heritage. It gave him so many questions that he had held for his whole life. And more than that, it gave him the opportunity to fly to visit his family in person. One of his first cousins is the family genealogist. And she was thrilled to be able to add my dad and mom, me and Greg, and my sister to that branch of the family tree. This morning, our scripture is about the family tree of Jesus, traced through his adoptive father, Joseph. Matthew is convinced that we can only understand who Jesus is as part of a larger story. All of the names that we heard this morning trace the history of the people of Israel. Matthew's genealogy of Jesus talks about his line going all the way to Abraham. This is important to people who were in the Jewish community. We can't understand who Jesus is without understanding where his family came from. Matthew actually tells an entire story with just this list of names. If we knew who all of these people were, then we would know the stories behind them. We might not recognize all of them, but I hope some of them are familiar. Abraham is the foundation of the Jewish story. God partnered with Abraham and his wife, Sarah, to establish a holy nation. During this time, there were lots of ups and downs. There was a high point when we get to King David. And there was a promise that his son would always reign on the throne. Most of 1st and 2nd Chronicles is devoted to the reign of David and his son, Solomon. And the hope that one day their reign would be restored. Because you see, there was another low point in history, the exile. This is when everything fell apart. The temple where God was to be worshipped was destroyed. Israel ceased to be a nation. They lost their land and they were in exile in Babylon. Instead of being ruled by sons of David as they had expected their entire lives, they were now ruled by an earthly tyrant like Nebuchadnezzar. So then we get to Jesus, the one who has come to restore God's kingdom on earth. 
after 600 years of being ruled by foreign empires, God has come to restore the throne. So when we hear this list of names, we're hearing a snapshot of thousands of years of history. In the Old Testament, there are many sections of scripture like these begots. They are lists of genealogies. And it's the section of the Old Testament that is probably the easiest to just glaze over because the names are not as familiar. Our understanding of history is not as familiar. Historian Diana Butler Bass argues, the begats are not boring at all. They tell stories of belonging, our sacred location in knowing our roots. We come to know ourselves. Despite the fact that most people find them dull reading, the Bible's genealogies have sparked debate throughout the centuries. Skeptics insist that these lists, with their omissions and contradictions, are irrelevant and they undermine the scripture's veracity. On the other hand, conservative Christians claim the lists are accurate in every detail, including, of course, that Methuselah had a son when he was 187, and then he lived another 782 years, and that the priest, Melchizedek, had no parents whatsoever. Doubters use genealogy to disprove the Bible, denying its truthfulness. Fundamentalists use the same text to prove fantastical tales demanding that faith means accepting dubious history and science. Butler Bass continues on by saying, genealogies were not considered dull in their original context. Indeed, genealogy was a common feature of many ancient religions and sacred texts. The Hebrew people secured political or priestly legitimacy through kinship. The records established lines for passing on possessions and property, along with role, rank, and authority. In an odd way, critics and fundamentalists are both right. Genealogy is controversial. The lists were controversial when they were written, and they continue to be controversial today. The writer of Matthew presents Jesus as king of the Jews. This claim is big and bold. It's directed toward a Jewish audience, seeking political liberation and spiritual empowerment during a time of oppression from the empire. Matthew proclaims that this Jesus, whose story he tells, embodied both King David's royal authority and the covenantal authority of Abraham. All of God's promises to Israel are fulfilled in Jesus, who appeared to be the son of a carpenter, but was in actuality, both king and savior. So Matthew's text that we have heard sung and read today is vital in setting the scene for who Jesus is in the context of history. Scholars go into great detail about the different ways that Matthew uses literary devices to emphasize his theological points about Jesus being both king and savior. They also look very closely at when he says 14 generations, but he doesn't exactly list the right number of names. He compresses the family tree a few places, skipping generations here and there. And then he also names some of the women in his genealogy. 
There's an image of the family tree, according to Matthew. It's up on the screen right now. I know it's hard to see from a distance, but someone has taken the time to take all of those names and trace them. What is unusual is that this mentions the women. They're in the red color here so that you can see that they're highlighted. It was not typical to include women in the Jewish genealogy. And Matthew does not include the the model mothers from Jewish history like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. Instead, Matthew names new matriarchs that highlights how deep the love of God goes and how wide it extends because it includes outsiders. The love of God, according to this list of ancestors, includes a Canaanite, a Moabite, an Aramean, the wife of a Hittite, and a Jewish girl pregnant while engaged to be married. The stories of Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, and Mary are nuanced and complicated, yet they're a vital part of the family tree of Jesus. Our worship series this month, from generation to generation, includes original art each week. If you have the Advent devotional, it has a printout of all of the artwork that goes with each week. If you're joining us online in a moment, you'll see the image on the screen. But if you're listening to the audio podcast, you'll have to either go to Facebook and catch the video sermon, or you can go to our website to pull up that devotional. But for those of us who are watching with a screen or who have the devotional in front of us, we're going to take about a minute to two minutes to look at this image. And I'm going to ask a couple of guiding questions and then allow us to sit in silent reflection for a moment. I hope that you'll open your heart to receive to what God wants to show you today. So, Apollinaire, if you'll pull up the next image of the women uh, in the circle, you may have to go back. I may have put them in the wrong order. I'm sorry if I did that. (laughs) There we go. Thank you so much. So as you look at this beautiful image, what parts of the image draw your eye the most? As you look at the women, what story do you associate with each one? And then finally, observe your emotions. How does this image make you feel? So we'll take just a brief moment of silence for you to consider this work. Reverend Lauren Wright Pittman is the artist who created this image. 
And she wrote a statement about it. So these are her words. While creating this image, I spent a lot of time with the women mentioned in Jesus's genealogy because I had a resounding echo of shame in my body. And I had received that from engaging with their narratives during my childhood. Their stories held a heaviness of judgment. In my experience, it seemed that the primary function of recounting their lives was to show how broken and sinful they were and how despite their brokenness, God was merciful enough to use them. The shame I felt was also personal. Along the way, I had internalized the message that as a woman, this was my potential for being part of God's story too. I had been handed down some harmful one-dimensional labels that immediately surfaced when I read their names. Words like harlot, prostitute, seductress, and adulterer, just to name a few. Their importance was not found in the context and the particularity of their own narrative. Instead, these women were viewed as rough, oddly shaped pieces to the puzzle of Jesus' lineage. I had to do some work to unbind myself from the limitations my church had placed on their stories. I tried to visit these women with a fresh mind and an open heart. What I realized was that these women, despite the loathsome, corrupt systems they were in, they found a way to claim their voice, and they found enough power to survive. I was inspired by the composition and movement of the logo for the series from generation to generation. In this image, I chose to represent Christ using a rose as the center of the composition. The women mentioned in the genealogy are imagined to be foundational leaves building and upholding Christ, the rose in the center. All of the women are looking at the viewer and holding objects to represent the fact that they took their life and survival into their own hands. They were catalysts who propelled the lineage of Jesus forward. In the bottom left, Tamar, she holds her father-in-law's insignia, which represents how she assumes his role as the leader of the tribe of Judah and continues its lineage. Moving counterclockwise, Rahab holds the red cord, which she lowered to ensure the safety of her family after supplying Israelite spies with enough information to achieve victory in Jericho. Next, Ruth holds the wheat that she gleaned from the field. She knows that she must marry again in order to be protected, and so she takes initiative with Boaz. Bathsheba's name isn't even mentioned in Christ's genealogy. She is referred to simply as the wife of Uriah. She withstands abuse from King David, survives the murder of her husband, and she ensures that her son Solomon takes the throne. She's a woman who takes matters into her own hands. She becomes, as scholar Dr. Will Gaffney writes, the Queen Mother of the United Monarchy of Israel. And finally, there is Mary. She looks adoringly at the rose, which represents her son. 
Here, she holds the love and pride of a beautiful lineage that leads to the birth of her son, the Messiah. These women only wanted to ensure safety for themselves and their children. In the process, they ensured the continuation of the lineage of Christ. Without their brilliance, passion, ingenuity, resourcefulness, creativity, and sacrifice, the lineage of Christ would have ended. This piece of art is in that devotional. If you didn't get one when you came in, there's some on the table when you leave. In case you want to spend more time sitting with what God may want to say to your heart. What I hope you take from the text today is a reminder that Jesus came for the entire world to find liberation. The women named were Gentiles. They were outside of the nation of Israel, or they had married outside, or they had somehow sinned in a way that they would have been an outcast. And Jesus was not ashamed to claim them as his family. Abraham is mentioned in the same list as the prostitute Rahab because in God's kingdom, there is room for every story. And that is true for the ancestors of Christ and for everyone in the body of Christ today. There is room for your story and mine. Thanks be to God.